1: I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic novel This week, Detective Comics number 357, cover date November 1966, cover price 12 cents, cover artists Carmine Infantino and Joe Giella, edited by Julius Schwartz, featuring Bruce Wayne Unmasked Batman, written by John Broom, art by Carmine Infantino and Joe Giella, and Tragedy of the Two Lucky Thief. Written by Gardner Fox, art by Murphy Anderson, and Sid Green. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we (laughs) go-go! Wayne and Dick Grayson appear on a television program and are surprised when Batman and Robin join them. In the middle of the show, crooks gas them, then kidnap Batman and Robin. The crooks unmask the heroes, but don't recognize them. To discover their identities, the crooks let them go and follow them back to their home. Meanwhile, Ralph and Sue Dibney attend the horse races at Hollyvale Racetrack. A man sitting near them wins his bet on each race, but is loudly and overtly disappointed with his wins. Confused? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything.
0: You just had a Victor's cough drop. What do you think?
1: What a cool sensation. What a nice thing for a cough drop to do. You usually feel cough drops in your throat, but in my nose. Could I have another?
0: Victor's dual action sends soothing menthol eucalyptus vapors to your nose and relief to your cough-irritated throat. Victor's, you feel them in your throat... And your nose,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> test, test, test. Test, test, test. Test your groove thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> test your groove thing. <laughs> My groove thing is doing fine.
1: Is it? Yeah. So's mine. Just shaking and jiving. Shake. shake, 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 shake. All right. Hi. Hi. How you been? Great. Me too. What a lovely day. It's been a lovely weekend, actually. Wow, beautiful weekend uh late fall it's my favorite time of year after all the leaves have fallen off the trees but it's not really winter yet no it's just drab and gray no i was beautiful and sunny well sunny but in general you know just my soul oh it's drab and gray i took captain Butler out yesterday for a long walk in the woods you did yes at historic Antietam Battlefield, Antietam National Battlefield. Did you find any bullets or anything? I saw someone metal detecting out there today when I you drove did. by. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't look for any bullets. I just, I just looked for nature. Mm, God it was great. had a good time. I uh, sat on the couch, played video games, and also napped, and then sat some more in another location. Mm. I also napped later on in the afternoon and read comics. Listen, I, you know, I'm not a Marvel guy. Uh, of course. You know, a lot of uh, "quote unquote" fans yes. of Marvel movies are complaining because they're they've gone woke. Listen, you want woke? Read some Steve Unkelhart Avengers from the seventies. Is that woke? Uh, it's completely anti right wing establishment. Yes, and uh, I think these fans "quote unquote" fans just shut their mouths. They just don't know anything.
0: No. No, comics have been uh, a place for some socially progressive things to be featured in stories.
1: Some. Yeah. uh, Comic books, as we know them today, were invented by Jewish refugees from Europe during World War II. So I would say all.
0: Okay, I've just been man-on-mansplained.
1: Yes. Thank you. Hey, do you know where a mansplainer gets his water? Where? From a well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually... Yes. Um and these people complain because the movies and television shows aren't comic accurate. You know what the most comic accurate show was yet? What? She-Hulk. And they complained about that because she's a dame. <laughs> Well, I can tell you that Marvel can
0: make a much better movie about comics than any DC comics
1: movie. That's true, and I hate to say that, but I the reverse flip side of that is that DC makes much better animated television programs than Marvel oh, ever did. Yeah, yeah, will. yeah. But yeah, we just watched another DC movie the other night, and I was just like, "Uh, snore." It was Blue Beetle, and in fairness, it was late at night. Yeah. Um, it was cute. It was cute. It was um It's the kind of movie I really would have loved in the 80s. I think it would have been handled differently
0: in the hands of, let's say, the director from Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Well, I've got good news for you, friend, because he's taking over the entire DC franchise. Did he? Oh, is he really? Yes. Good, because I think
0: that the elements were there. Like uh-huh. they were go.
1: I loved the idea of the family being involved in the yes. character, and I,
0: I, really, really did. But it just was handled in such an awkward, slow, predictable way that there was not a bunch of. Uh, you know what? It, it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say it's like watching uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Three of them in. You know, just sort of like I've seen this formula before. You yes. know. So I guess maybe maybe handled by a director that has the wit. And speed and timing and cleverness of the first of the Guardians of the Galaxy's movies. But not the formulaic predictability of the same director doing several of the same genre. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait
1: and see what happens. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm no movie critic. I'm no movie critic. You <coughs> critique with your dollars, friend. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just bring Linda Carter back. Oh, my God, so- if only. Press play. Yeah. Speaking of television personalities, Detective Comics number 357. Now, you know I love 50s and 60s television. I know you do. And I had never heard of William B. Williams. No, me neither. And I thought my parents were hateful, naming me Robert Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> William B. Williams takes the cake. Billy Billy Williams. Well, he didn't go by Billy, did he? He went by oh, William Williams. I knew a fellow in college named Dave Davis. You did? I did, and he looked just like Emilio Estevez. Huh. Right? Okay. William B. Williams was an American disc jockey on New York City radio station WNEW for over four decades. You don't say. He hosted the popular program Make Believe Ballroom. Williams is particularly noted for coining the title chairman of the board for Frank Sinatra. Huh. Sinatra learned of the comment and embraced the title. Okay. Later, when interest in standards flagged, American Songbook Standards mm-hmm. I'm talking about, Williams persisted in playing Sinatra's music and is credited with a key role in keeping Sinatra's career afloat. Wow. Sinatra to whom loyalty was a key virtue because he was in the mafia, allegedly, never forgot Williams and lauded him to any and all Who would listen? Wow. As the emergence of rock and roll music began in the 1950s, Williams left no doubt as to where he stood on the subject. Of rock and roll music? Uh Uh-huh. Which was? Against. (laughs) Quote, most of it is so bad it's embarrassing. In the days of the big bands, a vocalist had to be able to sing. I believe teenagers are hungry to hear good music, and at some point we must assume a lot of the blame for the quality of what is being heard. I use the word we to mean disc jockeys and radio stations in general. Unquote. Wow. Yeah. We see on the cover inside Gotham Television Studio 5, William B. Williams introducing his guests. Good evening, world. This is William B. Williams. My guests are Batman, Robin, Bruce Wayne, and Dick Grayson. What? Right? All in the same place? They are going to reveal something tonight that will electrify you. Get ready for a shock. They're in a foursome. (laughs) It doesn't really say (laughs) that. No, no, no. A puzzle and double identities. Bruce Wayne unmasked Batman! Exclamation point. Well. Let's go. uh, Special guest star... Popular TV and radio personality, William B. Williams. What is a ruthless
0: desperado like gang leader Frankie Fargo doing in the aeronautics wing of the physics department at Gotham State University? And how and why did Batman and Robin track him there? Strange are the singular steps that explain this POW meeting. This POW meeting? Yeah. But even stranger, as you will see, is the
1: extraordinary and startling scene that takes place when... Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Wayne unmasks Batman. Batman. Holy jet stream. Frankie Fargo's getting blown out of that wind tunnel, making a perfect landing smack onto Batman's swinging fist. Kazowie! Is it how Robin talks? That's how Robin talks. He's a teen, and okay. uh, he's at that, that awkward age. Okay. Uh, this is artwork by Carmine Infantino and Joe Giella. We, it's been a while since we've seen Batman artwork by Carmine Infantino.
0: Yeah, the, the inking is really heavy.
1: Well, inking is by Joe Giello. Okay, so so Joe's inking is really heavy. But we've had a lot of Sheldon Moldoff Mm -hmm. penciling in previous detectives, and uh, I have to say it's a lot more dynamic look this time around. Sleeker and exciting. Action-packed. At the Gotham Broadcasting Company, (GBC). A popular television show goes on the air. Good evening, world.
0: This is William B. Williams. Two of my guests tonight are the well known philanthropist Bruce Wayne and his young ward Dick Grayson. As you know, we try on this program to bring people together from different walks of life to promote discussion and even argument. Now it's time to bring in the two special guests who will join Bruce and Dick and
1: myself this evening. May I introduce Batman and Robin? What the what? Remember, I know you do, when I was introduced to one of our boss's new girlfriends and I tried to engage in small talk as one does at a social event. Yes. And I asked her what she did. Oh yes. And she said, "I'm a philanthropist," and then turned away and said no more. <laughs> yeah. That was the weirdest thing. I still don't know what she does. I
0: uh... Nor did I really care. No. Honestly, after that exchange, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I... I'll, just, I'll just go stare at a wall because that's more interesting.
1: Wow. Oh, come on. Honestly. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, who could these be? Oh, sorry. Bruce. I have to whisper oh, like a teen. Oh, yeah. What is this, Bruce? Who are these two masqueraders? Well,
0: they're not us. That's for sure. Sit tight and play it cool. Let's see what happens. If you
1: want to know, you got to play it cool. Uh. Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, I'd like you to meet Batman and Robin. I don't think you've ever had the pleasure, have you? Uh, no, it's a it's a pleasure. Uh, surely they've had some kind of masquerade situation where Bruce Wayne has m- met, quote-unquote, Batman. Superman's always dressing like Batman to help him out, and vice versa. What were they going to say? Uh, yes, we've met before. Well, if Bruce Wayne is meeting Batman, it, it would have to be for, in a public place so that he could... You know, protect secret identity. So certainly it's been documented in the social society pages. As the free-swinging program gets underway... Uh, Batman's got some strong opinions about criminality. Prisons should be so severe to discourage criminals. Yeah, that never works.
0: Uh, Bruce Wayne says, I disagree. Prisons should aim to turn criminals into useful members of society.
1: That's what I think, too. Yes. Meanwhile, nearby, (laughs) as fate would have it, a couple of the very persons... The discussion is about criminals is what I'm referencing. Beefy and Boo-Boo. Yeah, so, uh, I'm gonna talk for Beefy, okay? Okay. A pair of crooks we are, boo-boo. The rest of the gang
0: goes on a job and leaves us behind. Yeah, cause they say we always gum
1: up the job. <laughs> I sure wish there was one we could show these pros not the, the, we're not the amateurs, they think. There's no justice, that's all.
0: Oh, they're turning on the television to watch it. As the vision, as the image clears, my goodness, as the image on the TV set clears... Criminals are misguided individuals, who... That was Batman's Batman quote-unquote...
1: Huh? Who's the wise guy talking about us? Take a look, beefy. Well, what do you know? The dynamic duo, Batman and Robin. Yeah, beefy. Like they say in the comic mags. This gives me an idea. The answer to our wish. What was your father used to say?
0: The two... All right, no, what would Juanita say?
1: Oh, my Aunt Juanita had her friend, Peachy Purnell, who'd say, that's the answer to your solution. <laughs> A two of, for <laughs> the two of us are going to pull something that will show the rest of the gang what we can do. That studio building is only a couple blocks from here. Now listen. Blah, bzz, bzz, whisper, whisper, whisper. Boo-boo. <laughs> That's actually a streak of genius. In fact, it's a good idea. Come on, grab that container of sleeping glass the others conveniently left behind. Sleep. We can use it.
0: oh We can, uh, uh, he says, we can use it. We'll pull this off and we'll go down in history. I love this saying. Well, fools rush in where angels fear to tread.
1: Beefy and Boo Boo have embarked on a crime of spectacular daring on the roof of the broadcasting company. This is the ventilator that goes right down to the studio. At least I think it's the ventilator. They are dumping. Sleeping gas right into the roof ventilator. He doesn't sure. He's not sure it could be toxic cyanide gas. Right. Right? That always squirt the whole cannon, old boy, old boy.
0: And soon after, below, as step one of the Astounding Caper goes off without a hitch.
1: Yes, everyone is asleep, including the TV crew and especially Batman and Robin. He says, Keep your handkerchief over your mouth or you'll be asleep too and wake (laughs) up in jail. So they then realize that the whole thing has been filmed on camera because this is a live television broadcast so they just put their hat over the lens yeah that's that'll work it's fine sure step two they kidnap the c- unconscious bodies of batman and robin and drive out of town to a deserted road where they're gonna unmask batman and robin and they do they do and what it wasn't what they expected. No. They don't have any idea who they are. No. Well, that would figure in a major metropolitan city like Gotham City. You wouldn't expect Batman to be secretly someone that is well-known in the city, although he is by coincidence. But you wouldn't expect that. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, So they have no idea who these Jokers are. We don't either, because clearly we see that Batman is blonde, and we know him to be a brunette. And we also see that Dick Grayson has freckles, which we know he doesn't have. He's got clear skin because he's a rich boy, and he's had the best skin treatments money can buy. (laughs) No pimples and no freckles. Right. So he says, uh,
0: what does the the gangster say with the the guy and his toothpick in his mouth?
1: We don't recognize either one of these finks. They got no ID on them. We got to find out who they are and when they're not Batman and Robin. No. (laughs) So, uh, Boo Boo has a plan. They're going to let them lay there in the grass until they wake up. They're going to hide in the underbrush. And then they're going to follow them back to where they le- either where they live or to the bat cave.
0: Yeah. So they do. They walk away. And they go hide.
1: And uh, once we get the goods on them, we notify the gang, spread the word, and Batman and Robin are has-beens. You dig me? I dig. I dig. Meanwhile, back at the television studio, someone we don't know who, let's say it's uh, John Daly. Mm-hmm. host of What's My Line. Mm-hmm. We regret that unforeseen circumstances cut the William B. Williams show off the air tonight. We assure our listeners that the program will go on as usual tomorrow night. We now continue with our regular scheduled What's My Line featuring Miss <laughs> Dorothy Kilgallen.
0: And in a private room in the studio, Bennett Surf. Fortunately, no one was hurt. Special guest panelist, Tony Randall. Okay, he's he's just going on about the panelist on the other show that's actually not even
1: featured in this comic. And Arlene Francis. Arlene Francis. Come in, mystery guest, and sign in, please. (laughs) He's he's waiting for me to start talking to cut me off with these lines. Our first question goes to Miss Francis. Yes, are you in the theater? (laughs) (laughs) He loves to watch What's My Line. What My Line is the greatest show that's ever been on television. You can't convince me otherwise. And every single episode is on YouTube. It's wonderful. And just all you have to do is watch the mystery guests. Even I enjoy it. Yes. Yes. And that's saying something. So we're back to William B. Williams.
0: Now he says, fortunately, no one was hurt. And the police are now looking for those two who were dressed up as Batman and Robin.
1: Oh, just dressed as Batman and Robin, Mr. Williams?
0: Yes, it it was. Oh, sorry. That was Bruce. Oh. Ah, uh, says, yes, it was all a stunt, Mister Wayne. They were going to unmask during the show, but I'd better tell you and Dick now. Those two were Tom Wiley and Stuart Hall, a pair of students at the Gotham State University.
1: During a recent visit to the campus, I saw them put on an an imitation of the dynamic duo at a fraternity party.
0: (sighs) What the hell was he doing at a fraternity party?
1: And what the hell were they doing pantomiming Batman and Robin? Is that what kids did in the 60s? I I guess. Remember on the Lucy show (laughs) when uh, Kim, Lucy's daughter, was having a sleepover? Or was her name Candy? I can't remember what her name was anyway. Or was it, what, what were they having? Uh, a teen party a teen. at the house, but Lucy wouldn't let her have it unless her and Viv were present and involved in the party. And so Kim had to introduce to all of her room full of teenage friends. And now, kids, here's my mom and her friend Viv doing their famous Charlie Chaplin act. Good. And Lucy and Viv come out and do a whole silent movie routine. For the, the, for the delighted teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite thing in the whole world. Next to what's my line? Uh, oh. So he hired these college mooks to come on TV and be Batman and Robin. And of course, he was going to have them unmask at the end and launch their careers in showbiz. But that didn't happen because of the sleeping gla- gas.
0: Well, uh, uh, Bruce thinks I'll have to make some excuse to get out of here. Uh,
1: My stomach's not feeling well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I left the gas on at home. (laughs) Ilsa
0: needs her shot.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, listener, we had a friend, colleague, who uh, was a very sore loser at any game and also had a diabetic cat. That needed shots. And we and used to get
0: together with them frequently and play
1: cards. We'd play cards. Well, if our colleague lost, she would rise immediately from the table and say, We have to go. Ilsa needs her shot. <laughs> it was I predictable. Do. It was, Wasn't it? Yes. 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 I hope she's not listening. Oh, but if she is, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, now, we have to check out Williams' theory that the sleeping gas attack could have been a fraternity prank. And which would also explain their disappearance. But Bruce is not buying that because everyone knows fraternities don't stock sleeping gas. They have enough problems with all the sweat socks laying around and other Ugh. things that the house mother has to clean up. Do all the fraternities still have like um, house mothers like Mrs. Garrett and stuff like that? I wish I might have joined a fraternity if that was true. <laughs> but I already had friends, so... <laughs> That was a joke, son. I know, I know. I was thinking, I never I never, ever wanted to join a
0: fraternity when I was in college. Um, well, had no desire to. When we were in college, we were about 35 years old. Well, that's not true. I was well, in my early 20s, but I had no desire to be affiliated with You were that. more mature than the standard well, I had a, college students. I, I had a life. I was putting myself <laughs> through school. I didn't have time for fraternities and stuff like that. Yes, and, and we didn't live on
1: campus. No, was, and we
0: had part-time jobs. Yes, yeah, yeah, goodness
1: yeah. sakes. We've always been so busy.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Still to this day, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, Batman and Robin taking off into the night down to Gotham State University. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere, other shocks are being given and received. Uh, Frankie Fargo has learned that Beefy and Boo Boo. Good job. Captured Batman and Robin and didn't kill them. How come? Why would you kill Batman and Robin? Why
0: not? That's not how it's done in the comics.
1: Boss, we always hoid you say how the one thing in the world you wanted was to unmask Batman and Robin. Where the hell are you? I'm oh, i see page seven. Oh, I see a super you. You never said anything about knocking them off. You granite heads, you beetle brains, where are they? Well, they trailed them. We know where they are, where they live, and everything. Okay, lead the way. And I warn you, if you goofed again, it'll be the last thing you... Did, you're supposed to cut me off. Oh, uh, uh, Don't worry. Don't worry. There's no slip up this time. No. So, <laughs> they uh, lead Frankie Fargo to Gotham State University campus and the Etta Pie house. Etta pie, eat a pie. Eat a pie? Eat a pie. <laughs> Get it? Eat a pie. Um, I think that was... Oh, my God.
0: Sorority... Are that, we going to have a berry pie for Thanksgiving? A berry pie? Yeah, you don't get berry pies in, in November, do you?
1: Uh, you could probably get like a huckleberry or. Uh, I could totally something. eat a
0: blueberry pie with a big, generous dollop of cream <laughs> or, or, or um, if you love it so much.
1: Vanilla ice cream right now. Uh
0: huh. I don't think. When was the last time we had pie?
1: I don't know, but uh, why don't you run out to the grocery after we're done here My and you can get any kind gosh, of pie Why you am want? I thinking about that right now? Cause you love to eat a pie. I love to eat a pie. I love a fruit pie. Wasn't I think. Etta Candy, Wonder Woman's college sorority sidekick, and the Holiday Girls. Etta Candy? Eat can, Etta Candy? But didn't they? I can't remember the name of their sorority, but it was I, some kind of punny thing like that. Okay. Um, now, this is a terrific cover up. Batman and Robin are really college guys. Yeah. And they're inside now. Let's take a peek through the window where the boys are sitting singing. in their underwear in front of the fireplace eating hot dogs. I've seen that movie. I've, <laughs> Many times. Uh, This is not. This is not going to go the way you think it is. mm, uh, Um, mm -hmm. They are literally... (laughs) One of them's shirtless. They're both... uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. One of them's shirtless. They're
0: sitting there and in- shoving foot-long hot dogs in their mouths. In front of a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Frankie Fargo is preparing to fire a Tommy gun through the window. Good and God! Murder these boys. He's gonna murder them! Murder <laughs> they, them! They ain't even got the pants on. Ha, ha, ha! <laughs>
0: so we're gonna go a couple pages Head Three, four, okay, we go.
1: Bruce Wayne unmasks Batman. Part two. Just in the nick of time, Batman and Robin—the real deal—pull up at the sleek Batmobile. Oh, boss! So look, I'm glad to around. see the sleek Batmobile. We've it's been seeing nice. lots of the bat-headed 1950s Batmobile recently, oh, but this we have? is the sleek new nice. 60s. Look at those fins! I'll say. Mm. Um, so they realize their mistake now that this is the real Batman and Robin. He's yeah, swing. It's a good thing we didn't off those frat boys. Yeah, because then you'd be in jail for murder. murder and you'd have ruined a great movie. <laughs> uh he fires that Tommy gun around a batterometer too quick for him. They come in with a high punch and a low punch. Like twin fuselages of a screaming jet.
0: Uh, Boo-Boo. Wait, he doesn't talk like that. Um, We better stop those two,
1: or I got a feeling Frankie's gonna be awful mad at us. I got the same feeling, Beefy. Let's tear in. But as
0: Boo-Boo tears in,
1: urgh, uh, y- yak. Clonk, elbow to the face.
0: Meanwhile, Beefy has got into the thick of things. I bet he has. I uh, grabbed the pipsqueak slugger, nail him. Uh, Robin his Beefy's face looks horrible. He looks like, um, well, who's the, the um, the... Uh, Butler from the Adams family.
1: Uh, Lurch? Lurch. He looks terrible. Yeah, as the kids would say, he's got a effed up grill. He does. Uh, the swift-witted boy wonder, however, doubles over with perfect timing so that the guy coming in to punch him punches Beefy instead. Poor
0: Beefy. So um Frankie Frankie Frank, what's his name? Frankie Fr- Frankie Fargo. Frankie Fargo says, Out of the way, slugger. I'll pump Robin so full of holes it'll be his last holy act.
1: He's gonna pump Robin with that Tommy gun. Batman comes flying in just in the nick of time. Nick of time. <laughs> Catapults through the air, loosens the grip on the Tommy gun, and uh Frankie lashes out with a punch. Batman says not a bad punch for a punk. <laughs> um, punk. Anyway, no, was... the moral of the story is Batman makes short work of this gang of criminals, except that Frankie runs off and makes an escape. Yeah, we get
0: like three full pages, four, five, five,
1: five pages of punching and yes. and running. No argument here. Yeah. Um, Batman goes chasing off after Frankie. I like every time there's someone running in a panel, mm-hmm. they are off the ground.
0: Yes. Well, in mid-motion. Are you talking about the, the page 11?
1: Yes. Yeah, but well, even, Frankie,
0: Frankie Fargo's got one foot on the ground there, but Batman is completely off the ground.
1: And even when Batman and Robin, a couple of pages back, are leaping out of the car, they are caught in midair yeah this oh and
0: by the way on page Oh, the previous page page 10 i think it is in that silhouetted uh, panel Mm -hmm. no one's on no one is touching the ground anywhere they're just not even the the tommy gun yeah yeah fantastic it is fantastic i'm glad you pointed that out i by the way we totally um glossed over the fantastic backhand that batman gives um beefy i think yeah beefy up there i mean i love a good backhand in a comic <laughs> i i love a good uh, my favorite backhands are the ones in the 1940s uh movies black and white movies oh
1: yeah god i
0: love it when some when, when the women just backhand the men, or when they give them multiple slaps they call that a joan crawford is that what it's called joan crawford uh-huh. oh, yeah it's great i mean i not that I you know, crave violence or anything like right, that. Just,
1: right, 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 just, right. It's so, cla- it's, so, it's so classy to see a backhand in a 40s movie. <sighs> so Batman deduces that Frankie has climbed up on the roof of a nearby building. So Batman shimmies up a flagpole to see what the situation is. Frankie's going to shoot him off the top of the flagpole. Well, Batman's not having any of it. He's Yeah, just Batman gonna, just
0: like, now we get this explanation of how he's going to use the momentum of his body in the flagpole, but I've never seen a flagpole bend like that. No. you know, uh,
1: Swinging back and forth precariously atop his frail perch, the dynamic detective makes himself a difficult target. But also, there is another purpose in his grim
0: maneuver. Now, folks, we're not done with the explanation of what he's doing, right? He goes, Frankie doesn't realize I'm, but um, uh, doesn't realize it. But I'm not only trying to make it hard for him to hit me with one of those
1: bullets by swaying back and forth and throwing my blood, blood, blood. Who cares? Just get him." Why didn't he do like Lois Lane did and just get a, on a bird roost and swing back and forth and then somehow flip in midair so that your front flies? Do remember, feet. Yeah, do you remember when she when she perched when she was in that um, cage? Cage,
0: yes. And she did that back and forth, and then she flew like flew, flew. twenty five feet in the yeah. air, which was I'm really honestly impossible, but yeah, uh,
1: not nothing's impossible for Lois Lane. She's she puts her mind to it. And she 20. does it. Uh, only one thing's impossible: landing a husband. <laughs> <laughs> ah,
0: so Batman. Hurls himself through the air and uses his body's momentum to leap across a large space on top of Frankie Fargo. Crashing him through the skylight of the uh, laboratory. physics building. Physics building, right.
1: And they have landed smack in the middle of the aeronautics section where they have a full-sized... Aeroplane. Aeroplane. And then Batman lodges himself in in the wing. Because I guess as he's flying down, he does this with his hands like... Whee! Yeah. And he somehow manages to land on his feet, as all bats do. Uh. Oh, wait, that's cats. (laughs) Uh, And he is now... Uh, He has gone through the surface of the wing. So I'm guessing it's aluminum or something. And he's trapped, giving Frankie Fargo free reign to punch him. Yeah. Punch. And Frankie runs off. Batman extricates himself from the wing of the plane. Frankie is running right towards the wind tunnel. And Batman, with his keen bat eyes, uh, spots
0: the... The toggle switch on the wall, which yes. says, if I'm right, this should operate the propeller that whirls up the hu- whirl whips, whips whips up high winds used to experiment with this tunnel. This must be Research One Institution. They've got some funding. They do. Yeah, I've never been in an R one institution except well, we were at one to get our doctorates. Yes, yeah, yeah but we
1: weren't. But not we weren't in any very res- far from the science building. No, no. Um, now Frankie is blown backwards out of the wind tunnel, right into the waiting fist of Batman. Holy Haymaker. Yeah, that the looks f- like fun, doesn't it? I'll say. I mean, honestly,
0: just to be to, to be walking against the wind and then to be thrown backwards in, in like what is he, two feet off the ground, three feet off the ground? huh. That's like kind of fun. Of course, landing into Batman's fist would not be fun. Not
1: fun at all. Yeah. Well, everything really wrapped up nicely. (laughs) That's it. Yep, that's it. The following evening, when the interrupted panel program once more takes to the air.
0: Good evening, world. This is William B. Williams. Once again, my guests are Batman and Robin, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. They're going to reveal something that will electrify you. All right? Get ready for a shock.
1: Arlene, you had a question? (laughs) Yes. Are you in some aspect of public life?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's, of course, uh, your favorite show.
1: Are you now appearing in a motion picture on Broadway? <laughs> Broadway. <laughs> when I <Yes>. give the... <laughs> yes. Although well,
0: the, the guests always try to, um, well, not always, but often try to disguise their voices, especially if they're famous stars. Yes. Because they can be recognized by their voices. Judy Garland's voice is so famous, she just rang a bell for yes and no. Oh really? Yes. Oh my goodness. So, um, uh, William B. Williams says, "When I give the signal, Bruce Wayne, you, uh, Bruce Wayne, will unmask Batman, and Dick Grayson will unmask Robin. Hold your breath, folks. Bruce and Dick, get set, go.
1: Ha ha! Now the secret is out, folks. Meet Tom Wiley and Stuart Hall." Two students at Gotham State University whose specialty at college parties is to imitate Batman and Robin. Stay tuned for their TikTok channel where they do pop-lock dancing. It's terrific. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll never remember the name of the group. It's like Funkonometry or something. These two college boys that do pop-lock dancing. They're terrific. Listener, if you're looking for something to divert you for
0: just like two minutes of Cheer delight. Look up Leslie Jordan, invited as your Thanksgiving dinner oh, guest.
1: sure. What brought god, that up?
0: That is uh, no, not Leslie Jordan. I'm sorry, Leslie, Leslie Jones. Jones. Leslie Jones, so funny. Oh my god. Well, you just mentioned TikTok, which I don't, I don't have on my phone. No, but I have, I've watched that video of Leslie Jones at the thanks as your Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. guest, probably ten times. it's never gets old. I love her. I love her so much. Would you marry her if you? Oh my her so god, much? she's so funny.
1: After the show, Bruce Wayne compliments Tom on his imitation of Batman. Thanks, Mr. Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) What? Well, that's what he does, yeah. Uh, Dick Grayson thinks Tom Wiley doesn't realize it, but he's getting that compliment from the master himself. And nothing else, no sort of wind-up from from William Williams. I was wondering if we were missing a page or something,
0: because this whole thing was just... Not a very interesting story. I mean, they have space for two more
1: panels down below that where they're... Um... Yeah, but they have to do the house out somewhere. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, yeah, this... Both the stories in this is kind, of kind of a weak ending, a weekend, yeah. yeah. Sort of a,
0: a, I would say a soft ending to sort of like, oh, wow. Well, That's
1: here? right, listener. I said both stories because, as you know, every issue of Detective Comics features a backup starring our favorite hero, the elongated, elongated man. man. Here's a theme song all about it elongated man. Universally beloved, not hated man His heroic destiny was fated man He's the elongated man Ralph Dibney was a circus fan Especially of the India rubber man. When he drank Gingled like they all did He became elongated Beloved, not hated man His heroic destiny Was fated, man He's the elongated man He's the ductile Detective, the stretchable sleuth Got a nose for trouble And that's the truth Goes all over the world with his Wife Sue They solve mysteries and have fun too Elongated man Beloved, not hated man, his heroic destiny is faded man. He's the elongated man. Now, yes. you may notice on the splash page of the elongated man story, the elongated man is wearing a yellow bodysuit. Okay. I thought it was a coloring error, but then I continued through the story and he continues to wear a yellow bodysuit. Throughout the story, and not only that, if it was a coloring error, there would be no red anywhere else in the story. So is this a new costume for him? It is a new costume. And it will never appear again. (gasps) What? I mean, it's the same design costume. It's just yellow instead of red. Red. Red says normal color. Um, Now, you will recall that this is the month, November 1966, cover date, when we had the debut of Plastic Man number 1, who wears a red bodysuit. Also DC or Marvel? Oh, DC. Okay. We've covered Sorry, it on folks. this program.
0: All right, all right. <laughs> I'm gonna, that's all right. The, we're going to have the one listener that's going to reach out to me and say, how could you make that mistake? In which I will text back, fuck you.
1: Uh, that's not a way to grow an audience, Rob. Oh, that's Maybe I job. should handle that your people social don't media listen to the, now People
0: on. do not listen to this podcast to listen to me. They tolerate me.
1: They love you. Oh, Stop. Uh, So I'm wondering if they made the decision to change the color of Elongated Man's costume because of Plastic Man.
0: Well, honestly, why do they have
1: both Plastic Man and Elongated Man? Because famously or allegedly, however you care to look at it, the editor of Flash Comics wanted to use Plastic Man. uh, But he was not aware that DC owned Plastic Man. Okay. Okay. So he created a new character, the Elongated Man, Mm -hmm. to be friends with Flash. Mm -hmm. And then later, of course, realized that DC did own Plastic Man, having purchased all the quality comics heroes, including Black Hawk, from quality comics in the 1940s. So, uh, but frankly, I prefer Elongated Man because he's a detective and he has a little more seriousness in his stories than Plastic Man who's all goof 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 and also Plastic Man can make himself into different objects which Elongated Man cannot do Mm, but I I, I prefer Elongated Man over Plastic
0: Man too and I love the um, little back and forth between him and Sue
1: oh she's adorable Mm -hmm. she's a doll Mm -hmm. Uh, what a lucky break on this Blash page having the Elongated Man show up here to save me from these thugs luck had nothing to do with it Cutler uh, elongated man is using his knees to stretch up and punch these crooks in the face. I wonder why he's doing that. So Joy Cutler was on a lucky winning streak, but every such streak must come to an end.
0: And in this case of Cutler uh, it meant the end of his life. <sighs> the cards of fate seemed stacked against him until the elongated man dealt himself in on the, the tragedy, tragedy of, of the, the two, two lucky
1: thief. thief. That's T-O-O. Hyphen lucky. Eager shouts fill the air at Hollyvale racetrack as Ralph elongated man Dipney and his wife Sue root hard for the odds on favorite.
0: Come, Come on. on,,
1: Pen pal. Run, Pen pal, Run. But Pen pal falters as a 40 to-one shot beats him out by a nose. Shucks, we lost. Behind Ralph and Sue, first of all, I don't know how he can see over that hat that Sue's wearing. That's a good hat for her. Madam, could you please remove your chapeau? (laughs) Ah, I won. What miserable luck. This is the worst possible thing that could have happened to me. I'd give anything to lose. This is awful. Just awful. Well,
0: Ralph and Sue turn around and he says to her, what's with him?
1: Yeah. Uh, Ralph's nose is twitching. You know what that means. In a sudden fury, the man with his winning ticket rips it up and
0: flings the pieces away.
1: Uh, Sue picks up the pieces and says, look, it wasn't an act. He really did hold the winning ticket. He tore up $2,000.
0: And Ross says, mm, incredible. Let's see what happens next.
1: <laughs> Once more, the horses
0: leap from the barrier, and when runaway breezes... Excuse me. And when Runaway Breezes home a winner, what the hell? Runaway. Is oh, the name I of see. The horse. That's not his name. Runaway Breezes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So let me see this one. Once, once more, horses leap from the barrier, and when Runaway
1: Breezes home a winner, the man gasps. Uh... Ralph says he seems stunned at the outcome, but did he win or lose? Suddenly, the track loudspeaker blares. Attention, please. Runaway has been disqualified on a foul. Cowboy is the winner. Oh, no, no. I hold the winning ticket again. I I can't stand it anymore. I've got to get out of here. Soon afterward in the parking lot where Ralph has tracked this sad sack winner, his nose twitching wildly, Two crooks are accosting him. Hold it, Cutler! Your deadline is up. Are you ready to pay off your gambling debts, or do we give you the treatment? I'm not paying. I haven't three thousand. What? He could have paid off if he'd cashed in his winnings. Ralph
0: thinks. Between closely parked cars, the ductile detective
1: makes like a quick-change artist and he changes into his new yellow costume and goes off to save Cutler by turning his hand giant and. Squ- <laughs> pinching these crooks' fists together like, who's the guy on uh, Kids in the Hall? He's oh. got my pen. No, I'm no, no. I'm crushing. squeezing you. I'm, I'm, I'm crushing, crushing your, your head. head. I'm crushing your head. Uh, yes, I've conflated two different skits, haven't I? He's got yes. my pen is different. Yeah, that's uh,
0: Bruce McCullough who does He's Got My Pen.
1: Uh, Ralph Bruce has. Who's the
0: color my secret lifetime crush?
1: I know. Yes. Tell me about it. Ralph has hidden himself inside a car. He sneaks his fist out from the grill of the front, and then he sneaks his foot out from the trunk and kicks one of these burglars in the ass. <laughs> uh, then he finally gets out and pounds his knees into their chins, and I'm assuming they're knocked out or the police have taken them away or something. Yeah, but that was from the cover art. There. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the assist, elongated man, but it was bound to happen that way, just like everything else has today. Would you please tell me what in the world you're talking about? It's my horoscope, see? It foretells a lucky streak for me today, which happened. I was to be menaced and came through it unharmed as I was, but at the end of the day, (laughs) groan. That's what scares me. Tonight, at the eleventh hour, I'm to be assaulted again. Fatally.
0: But there's no truth to horoscopes.
1: That's why I was trying to lose, to prove my horoscope wrong. But everything's coming true. I'm doomed. Take it
0: easy, fella. I'm offering my invaluable services to be with you at the danger hour and see you safely through.
1: How about it? Sure, sure. I'm more than willing to put my life in your hands all the way. Well, I'll be at your house before ten to play it safe. Some hours later... In a mansion on the outskirts of Hollyvale, Judge Albert Tolliver wakes up to the sharp ring of an alarm clock. Yawn. You were uh, uh grousing earlier that who would talk aloud to their alarm clock? <laughs> uh, literally, he says yawn, right? Uh-huh. And he says,
0: "Oh, I don't feel as if I'd uh, slept. I don't feel as if I'd slept so long." But it's two minutes to ten. Almost time for the Kenny Day TV show. This is the only television show I watch regularly. I wouldn't miss it for anything. He's literally saying this out loud. Okay, I will admit that when you are not here or in the morning when you're sleeping, because I get up an hour before you Uh do, I talk to the dogs yeah. But I don't talk to the dogs to narrate what I'm doing I don't say, I'm walking over to the coffee pot Because having coffee is something that I start my day with every morning Look, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pour myself a cup of coffee now I'm putting creamer in it, I'm stirring it now I'm going to drink my coffee Would you guys like to go for a walk? I'm going to go to the closet (laughs) and get your leashes Now I'm going to walk over to the door And crouch down and call you over to me Come dogs, oh now I'm going to put your leashes on. that's the stupidest thing in the whole world
1: So I guess it's just me then What's daddy doing now? What's daddy doing? You do that? Yes. What do you say? What's daddy doing? Daddy's going to the kitchen. What's daddy doing? You do that? Yes. Oh, you must do that. I've never heard you do that. Because you're not here. I don't do it when you're here. Do you remember that, that I'm time? not an insane person. Do you
0: remember that time that you butt dialed me? And Shut up. up. So, listener, are you
1: with me here? Sometimes you just like to practice conversations. I, I will say before you finish this
0: conversation, I have done the okay. same thing. But go ahead.
1: You know, if you if you are anticipating a conversation, you just want to practice what you're going to say, like a difficult conversation yeah. at work or something like that, right. or just like a normal conversation. Because I'm an introvert, so I don't know how to talk to people,
0: uh, which is the weirdest thing because you have.
1: Uh, you talk all the time on this, but I when mean, you're around people, you don't... I am a performer. <laughs> so I was in my car. This was in early days of cell phones. True. Before iPhones. Before iPhones, when we still had answering machines at the home. Yes. I butt-dialed my own home and then left a long message on the answering machine of me talking to myself. <laughs> the best. And of course, who got home first? Not me. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was endearing. I've never let you forget it. No, you sure haven't. Mm. Also, remember the days when you had to watch a show when it was on or you didn't ever get to see it? Yeah, we had TV guides back then, didn't we? And also, we should clarify, Kenny Day is not a real-life uh, television personality. Well, Judge Tolliver
0: always thinks he is.
1: Well, no, I'm saying because we already had a story with an actual television personality. Oh, I I see. Thank you for the clarification. Yes, Kenny Day is not. Also, props to him for napping after work and then setting an alarm to wake up to watch his program.
0: You know what What I want to say? What? I'm beginning to worry about these weekend naps. I, like, plan my whole weekend around taking a nap. Yeah? And I don't nap during the week. Right. I what am I missing out on during the time when I'm napping during the weekend? Shouldn't I just like slam some coffee and push through? I've got that, uh, for mean, example, I've got yes. that uh, that mid-century stereo downstairs mm-hmm. that I haven't t- started taking apart. Sure. I could have taken it apart in the time that I napped this weekend.
1: Yeah. What's well, that? you didn't. You're a gentleman of a certain age, I guess. You need Is to that rest. what happens
0: now that we're in our 50s? We just take naps on the weekends?
1: I never took a nap until you influenced me to They're do the so. They're the best thing ever. I know that now. Oh, my God. I love naps. Why don't you marry it if you love it so much?
0: But do you think I need naps because I'm getting older?
1: Or maybe just because you work a billion hours a week? It's true. I do work a lot. (sighs) Yeah. It's okay to nap. It's okay to nap? Yes. Okay. Now, there's a masked criminal hiding behind the curtains in this house. Looks like he's just wearing a surgical mask over his eyes. He's going to uh, rob... Judge Tolliver has a valuable stamp collection, and this burglar's come in to steal it. Uh, you know, and until this week, I would have thought that, you know, stamps
0: weren't that valuable, but they just sold uh, the Upside Down Jenny stamp, was auctioned off for several million dollars, Uh huh. which is a, the, like the first printing of an airplane stamp. So stamps can be incredibly valuable.
1: Sure. Yeah. Moments later, no! My rare blue Hawaiian missionary, my priceless three-penny black. My eighteen sixty nine two centers. I can't let you take those rare stamps. I spent my life collecting them. He pulls off the mask. <gasps> Gasp! You.
0: You know what's weird? What? Previous page. He says. He says the. Um, he says uh, I stay put. He says I want to help myself. He says you fool. The judge says to the crook. You fool. Nobody can open that burglar proof safe but me. Mm-hmm. He says. But your stamp. Bet your stamp collection, I can. he's holding the gun to him, yeah, so the crook opens the safe, yeah we don't see why why it is that the crook is able to open the safe
1: because he's a crook
0: okay he's <laughs> he's all right, all right, that's it. that wants us to believe that it well, that's
1: it? famously what crooks do is break into safes.
0: standing there with with the owner of the safe right behind them, Well he's got a gun all right. Okay.
1: Anyway, Judge Tolliver recognizes the crook once he gets his masks off. It's a guy you sent up the river ten years ago because there was a rash of robberies in town. You threw the book at me just for stealing a measly hundred bucks. I swore I'd get even by robbing you of the most valuable thing you own, your priceless stamp collection. The best part of my plan is you will know I stole it, but you'll never prove it. Think, 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 because I have a perfect alibi. Yeah, this is interesting.
0: So in a playroom of a house in Hollyvale, as the town hall clock starts banging out the 11th hour, Cutler, you've got 10 seconds to
1: live. (gasps) Crooks bust in. Here's Cutler, who's in the safe house, I guess. Out of the game room shadows comes the mighty mighty hand of elongated man. He's doing his giant hand trick again. Giant hand trick. Classic elongated man. Uh, He shoves Cutler out of the other door of the room. Shoves the criminals against the wall and picks up a medicine ball to throw at the criminals. And then beats the other one in the eyeball with a pool cue. And then takes the other one and throws him into a dartboard like
0: a dart. Yeah, he's doing some damage. Yeah, these guys are going to be hurt. Yeah, I mean they deserve
1: it, honestly. And he takes
0: another guy and kicks him by his genitals... Uh-huh. Right, I mean, but yeah. it, it kicks him right in the in the area, right where the legs come together. Yeah, <laughs> well, those would be the genitals. Well, yes. I mean, yes, but I mean, from the backside,
1: right. Uh, so he's Still definitely hurts. hitting the tailbone uh-huh.
0: and propels the man forward
1: into the pool table. Nice, little elongated man. Yeah. And then this fantastic panel. We just mentioned the art is by Murphy Anderson. Normally. Carmine Infantino has been doing these backups, but this is Murphy Anderson's little cleaner look. But if it's
0: not enough that he's taken these guys, thrown a medicine ball at one, smacked another guy across the head with a pool cue, thrown another guy across the room and into the wall, and another guy onto the table, I guess just three guys. He then takes them, binds them up into the air, and smacks them all together by their heads. Cablanca,
1: cablanca. I, mean, this, for, I think he's going to have to go to the hospital first before they go to the prison. Well, you know, Ralph worked in a circus. He's got lots of roustabout training. Mm. Uh, Cutler comes back with a police officer. It turns out Cutler has been arrested for a robbery that took place at 10 o'clock tonight. I've been charged with stealing Judge Tolliver's stamp collection. He says, why, uh, officer, that's impo- um, me. why, officer, that's impossible. I've been with Mr. Cutter since a quarter to ten. You can testify in Oh, wait, this is a cop. He's probably Irish. You can testify in court for him, elongated man. <laughs> ah. The judge swears Cutler was the man. He tore off his mask and saw his face. Whose right is for a jury to decide? I'll be out on bail in an hour. With a famous elongated man to testify for me, I'm sure to be cleared. After the police take Joe Cutler to the nearest precinct house, Ralph thinks... Ralph, the the color on Ralph's face is weird. Well, it's day night, like in 70s TV. Mm. The judge told me he is positive about the time of the robbery and the identity of Cutler, yet... Cutler was with me at 10 o'clock. Someone must be wrong. Now let's just suppose I'm wrong, and somehow Cutler really did steal that stamp collection. This is a lot of supposition. A this lot is of supposition. This is not going to hold up at a quarter. of law.
0: Ralph doesn't even know for sure that this guy's a crook. Don't and there's take... a lot of things that went in to
1: make this yes. thing happen. Don't take this case, Judge Judy, because she will dress you down. Down. He could have sneaked into the judge's house while he was asleep pushed all the clock's hour hands ahead by one hour, so when the alarm wakes the judge up, he'll think it's ten o'clock instead of nine. After I knock him out, I'll set the clocks back to the proper time. Then, suppose Cutler, who is known to have sworn vengeance on the judge, hooked up a pre-recorded tape of the Kenny Day show, which he managed to obtain somehow... And he's beaming it into his house in a giant television van towards the TV antenna. God, those were the days. Mm. The judge will swear the time is 10 instead of 9 because he'll see the start of his favorite TV program. He says, he says to himself, it's a good
0: theory, but how do I prove it? One way is to recover the stolen stamps. Cutler wouldn't dare keep it at home. He'd hide it in a safe place. Now, if I were Cutler... As I left the judge's
1: house... Hmm. Starting from the judge's house, the stretchable sleuth makes his way back to where Cutler lives... What quicker and safer
0: way to hide loot than in a mailbox? He could have had a stamped wrapper addressed to himself care
1: of general delivery. He'd pick it up sometime later. Jackpot. I found it. He finds it in the mailbox. He stretches his face inside the mailbox. Also, that's a federal crime, Ralph. You can't tamper with the mails. Well, it is a federal crime, except he doesn't just break it open and take it out. He does call for the authorities. Uh, Still, do they, they have a search warrant? They can't open it if it's wrapped and posted. Okay, so anyway, so after as he's notified, he
0: uh, after he notified the police and the postal authorities, and the postal authorities, okay, all right, the mailbox all right. is opened. Still got to get a search warrant Did the, for the The brief, the Irish accent for the, for the...
1: The thief disposed of his plastic mask by... <laughs> wait, wait, no, 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 Now you're sounding like uh, Trump's wife. Um, Melania? Melania. <laughs> the thief disposed of his... Pla- oh, I can't... Now you jinxed thief, me. The thief. The, the thief, thief. The thief. The thief. 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 Two teeth. The teeth disposed of his plastic mask by wrapping it up with stamps. This still doesn't prove Cutler did it. On the contrary, officer, I'm sure you'll find Cutler's fingerprints on that mask. Not. Uh, the policeman's been rolling it around in his own head. He's not wearing gloves beefy or anything. hands. Oh,
0: beefy hands with with, uh, with uh, potatoes and, <laughs> and corned beef <laughs> all over his
1: hands. I think I'll go back home and have some kohlrabi. Uh, later. What the. What? Say it again, Cora. No, I'm not. No, you (laughs) jinxed me. I'm not doing anything else.
0: (laughs) I love you, (sighs) Bob.
1: Later, back at the hotel room, Ralph shares with his pretty wife Sue. She's ready for action. Look at that negligee. She looks great. But even if Cutler
0: shrewdly arranged to have you as his alibi, how do you account for his fantastic luck
1: at the races, honey? He's going to mansplain. He bought tickets for every horse in the race. No matter which horse won, he could tear up a winning ticket. He knew from the papers that the celebrated elongated man was in town and would be at the track because I'm a gambling addict.
0: He took a big risk with those hoods in the parking lot.
1: Yes, but it was a calculated risk. He knew I'd be following him and that I'd save him from the crooks. As for the crooks who attacked him in the playroom, they were hired to put on that killing act. Oh, my. He had the utmost confidence that I'd do my duty by him, and his faith was absolutely justified if I do say so myself. I even did my duty by sending him to jail. Oh,
0: brother, what a
1: ham. By the way, we're to be guests of Judge Tolliver at a private... Rerun of the Kenny Day Show tomorrow evening. He never did get to see his favorite program.
0: Well, I only hope we can enjoy ourselves for
1: once without a single
0: twitch of that nose of yours.
1: The end. Private rerun. I wish I'd had that kind of power before home video existed. Judge Tolliver has that kind of power. Ring, ring, ring. My father or my grandfather was a prominent attorney in town. He could have done something like this. Yes, my grandson missed episode 14 of the HR Puffin Stuff program. I'd like you to schedule a private screening for him, please. Oh, I
0: think it's amazing that your family, like your grandfather was, an, was a judge.
1: Yeah, an attorney.
0: An attorney. And your grandmother was the Supreme President, Supreme President of the Beaus- 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 mm-hmm. And she'd been to Hawaii seven times, five times as an escort. Four, only four times, four as, times as an escort. And yet, that. That wealth and education <laughs> did not pass down to the next generation, well, or the generation after that.
1: Um, I'm smart. Ah, I mean,
0: like the kind. I mean, your, your your grandparents were pretty well off. Well, yes. Yeah, he was an attorney, as I've mentioned. And your grandmother had one time owned a candy shop.
1: Well, yes, but she also came from nothing. She was a farm girl. Yeah. And my mother uh intentionally <laughs> distanced herself from her her yeah own. I
0: guess I think it's interesting that your your mother made that choice to distance herself from that yeah.
1: well they were intelligent my parents were well read they were your father your father read the newspaper and he two could, newspapers we had two daily newspapers in my town when I was growing up and he was funnier than hell God your father was so hilarious. hell's not funny, my friend oh <laughs> okay, okay, well yes, he was very giving funny. your father He was a very, very funny man, very rare compliment on our show. well, that's it for elongated man and Sue, yeah, again, kind of a disappointing story, Yeah kind of a soft rear fizzle bit of an in- yeah. yeah no no, no one's life is in danger, really, no, she did call her husband a ham, yes, uh of course, that reminds me of the famous Judy Garland story since we've already mentioned Judy Garland. <laughs> That's a lie. That story was not true.
0: How do you know? They they later heard of her telling that story, and they said that didn't
1: happen. Well, the story is she was on Jack Parr, and she's telling about making The Wizard of Oz, and she said King Vidor, or whoever was directing at the time, Victor Fleming, I can't remember. They had seven different directors. Uh, He set up on a ladder, and they started the little sequence of dancing down the yellow brick road, and all the Ray Bolger and uh, Burt Lahr and... Oh, who was the other one? Tinman. Jack Haley. Good job. Start dancing, crowding her out of the scene, and he'd cut, 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 cut. All right, you big hams, let that little girl in there.
0: Yeah, that was the story that she would tell. That that seemed to come later in life. That story. Well, reason. it's yeah. a great story. It is a great story. Although, although I've I've heard this from from them. They said they were quite shocked when they learned of it because well, it wasn't true. Well, f them okay I'm sorry she I died on the
1: toilet let her have this <laughs> she needed the death toilet alright right? what
0: the toilet the, the toilet
1: death ejector the death ejector yeah. toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on social media at gogocheckpod you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from and you can find us right back here next week happy Thanksgiving everyone happy Thanksgiving everyone bye, bye.